This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that doesn't like to show off unless what we're showing off is dope as fuck. That's true. And what we're showing off today is, in fact, dope as fuck. Dope as fuck indeed. We are talking about 2021's, let's just call it last week's. Last week's. The Suicide Squad. James Gunn's The Last Week's Suicide Squad. I messed his name's up not the in front order, of this thing, right? But... He's, his name's not in front of this. This isn't like a uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League extended reboot. Fuck no, but, UWB. But maybe it should be. <laughs> maybe. This is realistically just like blank check the movie. <laughs> Honestly. Starring James Gunn. Well, I was going to say blank check the movie is already a movie. But... Oh, I understand that, but like, <laughs> this could be like its future reboot, where you just yeah. give a man-child a lot of money and say, go make a superhero movie, and he goes, <laughs> okay. He's like, I already made super. Oh, you mean with a budget? Okay. All right, and Walt Disney's not going to be like looming over my shoulder, making sure it's all family-friendly? No, I could do whatever I want? Okay. All right. Are you ready to have some DC-sanctioned penis? I can't wait! <laughs> the Suicide Squad, directed by the fucking James Gunn. The fucking James Gunn, yes. I wanted to ask you if you've ever seen this thing before. The answer is an obvious no. No. Actually, uh, about three years ago. No. <laughs> no, never. If anything, it would be like five years ago, 2016. That's true. Five years to the day. Really? They got the same release date. It's pretty That's neat. That's some BDE, if I've ever heard it, when it comes to right? trying to one-up a movie. <laughs> I feel like it is until you thank them for their vision and your credits, but. It's very fair. We'll get because there, maybe? for what it's worth, that Suicide Squad developed possibly the most important character that has an overarching story type thing going on within the DCEU. In the DCEU, yeah. I know what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important. Well, I wasn't sure if you were just going to say, like, the three movies she's in, but no, it's the no, entire DCEU. It's there. You just want to get into this thing? I'm ready to have some fun, man. Yeah, I think we should just get into this. I got to tell you, Dave, if you start off any movie with... Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I'm in. <laughs> That's all it takes. You could have Michael Rooker sitting in a cell, literally kill a canary with a bouncy ball. As long as Folsom Prison Blues is playing, I'm 100% in. Did Walk the Line start out with that or anything? Like, not with obviously Michael Rooker with long blonde hair killing a canary. <laughs> I understand that. But I can imagine that movie starting out with Folsom Prison Blues. It would make sense. It would make sense. I don't remember. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Biopic. Johnny Cash probably is the most fun name to say in character. Yes, I agree. Hello. Well, I mean, there's also Pikachu. I'm <laughs> not as much fun. Johnny like, Cash. I immediately regret you saying just, that. Just did the Pikachu right off the bat, and you've you've ruined the mood entirely. But imagine Johnny Cash as a Pokemon that you could catch. <laughs> Cash, Cash, Johnny Cash, Cash, Cash. Cash. Oh, I'm Johnny Cash. If there's enough Pokemon. Why not just throw in? Johnny Gotta Cash cash Pokemon? them all. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> he was uh, just sitting there, and uh, you're just like, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll go for it. I didn't want to get another message from the ginger skull saying, <laughs> why didn't you make this joke? 
As low-hanging as the fruit may be, I had to grab it or else we'll get messages about it. I hope you sleep well tonight, knowing that you just did that. I lowered myself, didn't I? Ah, (laughs) to our arch nemesis's level. You gotcha. He's in your head. Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis again. Viola fucking Davis. Yeah, I will not allow her to not have a middle name. Deservedly so. She shows up and recruits said Michael Rooker, a.k.a. Savant, for Task Force X. We all know what that's code for. We sure do. It happens to be the title of this movie. We're not going to silver surfer this thing. We're not. No. Not going to play coy with you. No. We're just going to lean into it. This iteration of Task Force X is, of course, again, under the leadership of Rick Flagg, Joel fucking Kinnaman. He's back! The rest of the team consists of Captain Boomerang, played by Jai Courtney. He's back! Blackguard, played by Pete Davidson. He's new. Brand new. Javelin, played by Flula fucking Borg. Oh, God, he's so good. If you're not following him on Twitter, what are you doing with your life? He's one of my favorite people, full stop. That's the appropriate amount of stopping right there. He is <laughs> phenomenal. Mongal, played by Mailing Ng. George, she's in this. TDK, played by Nathan fucking Fillion. <laughs> so good. Weasel, played by Sean Gunn. Of course. And of course, Harley Quinn, played by Margot fucking Robbie. She's back! And while this team is en route to their mission, Waller's support team back at Bell Reeve is placing bets on who's going to die. I really like that scene quite a bit. It's a lot of fun. It sets the tone I feel like immediately. It, it does. It's real dark. They're kind of betting how long it's going to take these people to die. Who's going to die? We know people are going to die. It's never been a secret. I believe the, the tagline on some of the posters is, don't get attached. Well, we'll get there. I have a bit of a bone to pick with that tagline. But from Facebook, Micah's got a question. Okay. He says, I feel like I should read this in a bit of a cinematic Johnny Cash voice. Hello. Camera pans back to see employees rifling through personal folder, placing bets. Kind of where we are now in this movie. Amanda Waller walks and grabs two folders and asks, who are these two new idiots? Guess what? Brian. Oh, no. It's us. Of course it is. It's me and you. We're those two new idiots. Welcome to the squad. Micah wants to know. What's in our folder? Real name, villain, hero name, special talent, favorite nom nom. What do you got? That's so many categories. Why wouldn't it be? He wants us to list shit. <laughs> what else is new? I believe if you go to kpodcasters.com and go to the hosts tab, <laughs> you'll get all those answers, except for maybe favorite nom noms. There you go. That's actually good enough for me right now. <laughs> Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Already? Already. You just gave everyone homework to do to get the answer to this Facebook question. I'm going to give them- And now you're going to drop this on us? Time to do the homework while I I read you this actual IMDb trivia fact. Goodness. To honor actor Nathan Fillion, TDK, his home city of Edmonton, located in Alberta, Canada, officially renamed their city hall to the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion for the opening week of the Suicide Squad movie. I have never loved an IMDb trivia fact more- I think it's my favorite of all time. That is fantastic. The Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. Could you imagine if they had a cotillion? You know what? Bring it in. They should have organized that. They really should have gotten the whole nine. They just chose not should've to. Should have spent a million on it. Should have. <laughs> Task Force X are sent to the South American island nation of Corto Maltese for an undisclosed mission. That's the worst type of mission to go in, right? Like, in my opinion. We're not telling you. Just go. Just go there and do what? I'll t- it's not going to matter. Tell you when you get there, maybe. 
They jump out of the plane, and Weasel dies immediately. He drowns. I love how you see Weasel jump out. Everyone else is like kind of doing like pencil dives, and they're getting to that water nice and easy. Weasel goes out like he's, I don't know what, what country's bad at diving. In the Olympics, I didn't watch that part. <laughs> didn't either. But that's where Weasel's from. <laughs> and right away, someone's like, did no one check to see if the weasel can swim? <laughs> sure enough, no. They're like, ah. No. I love it, though. We get rid of one right away. The rest of the team make it to shore, and Blackguard, Pete Davidson, immediately gives up their position. He stands up, walks out into the middle of this field, and it turns out he's sold out the entire team, and then his face is immediately blown off by enemy fire. It's not great. I mean, if you don't like Pete Davidson, it is great. But he walks out and he goes, oh, guys, it's me. It's me. I sold all these guys out. Same team. Ha, ha, ha. Kablooey. Face explosion everywhere. And, and he's done now, too. Everybody could hear the sighs of relief from Ariana Grande. Oh, she loved it. It's her favorite part of the movie. Her tattoo tingled just a little bit. And she went, what the fuck was I thinking? Flag radios back to Waller that they were sold out and outnumbered. And she's like, no, you got to keep going through with this mission. It's very important. And then one by one, we see most of the team get killed. Captain Boomerang, done. Mongo, on fire. TDK, pops off his arms because that's his superpower. He's the detachable kid. What a name. And I love, like, you see his arms. They're just kind of slapping the person yeah, it's like in, nothing. in front of just, him. Uh, slap, slap, slap. It's nothing. But I like how intense he looks standing there armless. It's amazing. <laughs> like, it's the fight of his life. And that's how you get a civilian pavilion, friends. Uh-huh. Absolutely. We see Javelin get shot up, and uh, Savant is like, oh no, this is not going well, and tries to just leave. He starts swimming he away. He swim away. Like, now's not the time to dory out of there. It's like, hey, I know we're in this island, but I think I'm just going to swim until... He's probably going to drown, but Waller's like, nope, not going to let that happen. Let's explode the bomb in his head. It's nuts, because he's the character that we kind of follow the whole way up until this point, where... He said, whoever gets me out of this prison earlier. And then he doesn't do jack shit during this whole raid except try to swim away all scared. We have no idea what his power is. Other than he's really good at bouncing balls. Bouncing a ball. <laughs> That's it. I've watched enough quarantine, like, perfect shot videos of these people who had the time, like, throwing discs into Nintendo Wii's and stuff. <laughs> like, I've seen enough of that. I don't need to here with a Michael Rooker. Exactly. But yeah, he just swims away and gets his head exploded. Yeah, and honestly, that's what happened. Probably should have seen this coming because of this next actual IMDb trivia fact. This is the fourth time that Michael Rooker has died in a James Gunn movie after Slither, Super, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yep. Should have seen it coming. Should have known, but here we are. And it probably would have been easier to see it coming if anyone looked at the movie poster. <laughs> that's also true. As this movie poster, I'm staring at it as we're talking right now. Is one of the biggest spoilers for a film that has the tagline, don't get attached? It's like, okay, I won't. We'll show you who's going to make it Fine. the first 10 minutes of the movie, okay? Don't worry. No problem. Thanks, James Gunn and your film. <laughs> They're dying to save the world. They're also dying to give away the story. It sure seems like it. We cut to the command center where Waller asks about the status of Team 2, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Ratcatcher 2, and Polka Dot Man arrive on the shore, the North Shore, of Corte Maltese, and we get the title card, The Suicide Squad. Boom! We've arrived! And now we're going to flash back to the creation of Team 2. Isn't it like eight days earlier, or eight hours earlier, or something like, like that? It's like nothing Three earlier. days earlier? Whatever it is, it's in the very recent past. <laughs> it's not like we're going deep here. It was also... Before we've established these real-world title cards, and the first one is, might be the hardest one to read because it's like 
soap on a toilet seat. <laughs> right. So you're forgiven for not knowing how long before it was. That's very fair. Bloodsport, played by Idris fucking Elba, has no desire to join Waller's hot tub time machine. <laughs> but his daughter is in trouble for stealing a TV watch. And they have it out. Oh, boy, do like, they? This guy's definitely a villain, the way he says fuck you to his daughter. And this daughter's definitely the daughter of a villain, by the way. She says fuck you, dad. It's true. It's wonderful. They're going at each other. But I love how they set up Bloodsport. Bloodsport, it's pretty much dead shot on steroids because he is able to shoot whatever. He can hit stuff. He's real good shot. Good fighter. Neat movie. All that stuff. But I like how they say, yeah, he's in prison because he put Superman in a coma with a kryptonite bullet. Doesn't seem like it takes all that much to put Superman in a coma then. Right? I thought he was supposed to be faster than those. Oops. Sounds like a personal challenge. One that you maybe wrote for Deadshot and then went, oh, Will Smith's not available? Guess we'll keep the story the same and just change who it is. Right. And boy, I want to say Kumite all the time because let's just call him Bloodsport because it's awesome. It is. And why not? Pretty awesome. It is. And I want to talk about him later because, oh boy, he's full of surprises and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So Waller threatens to have his kid tried it as an adult and thrown it to Bell Reeve, and he's like, okay, I'll join your team. After he says, nah, she's 14. Not going to happen. She's like, your daughter's 16, yeah. dude. <laughs> but I like how he's not even trying to be a good dad. He understands, like, this is who I am. I'm not trying to be the good daddy here. Right. Like, I told my kid, fuck you multiple times already, and I'm only doing this so she can have a little bit of a life, I guess. She didn't do much wrong. She shoplifted. Right. No reason to get to thrown Bellary into Bell Reeve for, yeah, shoplifting. Right. There's super villains here, and a lot of them. It's not a fun place to be. Not at, at all. At the same time, though, it seems like a kind of fun place to be. <laughs> also very true. Because we're going to meet the rest of the team one by one in prison, starting with Peacemaker, played by John fucking Cena. I couldn't believe we could see him in this role. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I couldn't see him in it. And then I saw him in it, and then I was like, oh, now I see him. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way they introduce him. He's just standing there all like stoic and like militaristic. And then he gets that stupid smile yes. that he has, like that smirk he carries throughout the whole movie. And they basically say that his power is that he does everything Bloodsport does. And he says, yeah, but I do it better. <laughs> and that's all it is. It's so good. How anything is a deadly weapon in his hands. Like, okay, cool. See, Fine. He was raised from childhood by a militaristic father who... Would punish him for, yeah, it's the same backstory. Yep, but only better, but better. according to John Cena. <laughs> I, I shoot a target. How do you do that better? Oh, I, I smaller bullets. <laughs> I shoot into your bullet hole. Don't even touch the sides. Fascinating. Brilliant. <laughs> then we meet Nanawe, a.k.a. King Shark, a.k.a. Sylvester Stallone. Sky Stallone. Sky fucking Stallone is back. <laughs> If you haven't listened to our Demolition Man episode, <laughs> that makes no sense to you. <laughs> uh, fair. And also, Steve Agee is doing the actual like movements here. He's doing the He's double dipping the in this acting. movie. I love it. And uh, this is just a fun character. Is it, though? He's a shark god who's a dum-dum and likes the nom-noms. Yeah, he loves nom-noms. I want to talk about him a little later also. Okay. To get deep into him, because, yeah, he is just a big old shark boy, isn't he? That's uh, all he needs to be, it seems. That's a good point. A dumb, dumb shark boy nom nom. Also, maybe a part god. Also that, too. Definitely the strongest of the bunch, though, yes. as we're going to yes. learn. Then we go and we get Ratcatcher 2, the daughter of Ratcatcher 1, played by Daniela fucking Melchior. Killing it. Oh, my God. So good. And then finally, Polka Dot Man. 
David fucking Dastmalkian. He is such a treat in everything that he does because he's just such an interesting guy. He is, and somehow both underutilized and in everything. It's amazing. And it's such a bold choice using Polka Dot Man. It really is. And I know that James Gunn said he wanted to put the lamest hero he can think of in this movie, and it was Polka Dot Man. It's pretty good after you kill off the detachable kid who's basically just Arm Fall Off Boy. Isn't Arm Fall Off Lad? Or no, I'm thinking a Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> terrible names and terrible powers. Just the worst. Arm Fall Off Boy. That is exclusively his power as well. I like that with the detachable kid, they at least made it so he could telekinetically control them. So Right. Arm Fall Off Boy, he just uses them as clubs for the most part. It's brilliant and also really dumb. Somehow both. Also, we get to meet Sean Gunn as Calendar Man for a brief second. Which is amazing, though. I was so happy to see Calendar Man. It gives me a lot of hope for the Batman that comes out next year, 2022, because they're saying it kind of has the long Halloween-type vibes in there. Oh, yeah. Maybe some, like, dark victory. And Calendar Man, he's got a role in there. Well, I got to see a trailer for that movie when I went to see this movie. So, also very much looking forward to that. Very excited. The Mission. The Corto Maltese government was overthrown by an anti-American regime, and Waller has tasked the squad with destroying Jotunheim, a Nazi-era laboratory that holds a secretive experiment known only as Project Starfish, and it is not butthole-related. John Cena has to make a point, asking, Now, I've listened to Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Does the starfish have anything to do with a butthole? Don't know why he asks it. He asks it. That's now out there for forever. It's very funny. Viola Davis has to answer the question. <laughs> That's even more funny in my mind that you just asked an amazing actress like Viola Davis about a butthole. <laughs> That's what I found amusing more than John Cena saying butthole. Yeah, I, I agree. Is that you have this amazing actress who now has to answer these questions, including acknowledging that Sylvester Stallone's shark's hand is, in fact, a hand. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> and she's very proud of him for knowing yes, that. Yes, she is. We cut back to the present. While this version of Task Force X is walking through the Corto Maltese forest, bickering about eating dicks for liberty and being concerned about Polka Dot Man's rash, at the South Beach, a dying javelin gives his javelin to Harley Quinn, and then she's captured by the Corto Maltese soldiers. And all we see off in the distance is a big explosion, and Buzzport goes, nah, it's just a diversion. I don't think he realizes that there's a whole other team over there and effed in the A. Right. And Rick Flagg is also escaping that situation, making his way further into the forest, and he, too, is captured. He sure is, and I very quickly want to talk about penises on a beach. Let's do that. How you have John Cena questioning everybody's mission, questioning everybody's like loyalty to justice, <laughs> truth, justice, and the whatever Cena believes in way. <laughs> and he says, if there were a bunch of dicks on the beach, I would suck them all for justice. I think he says he'd eat them all. Is there a difference between Kobayashiing a bunch of beach dicks or sucking them. It's for justice either way. You well, that, the that worst case scenario. raises a, a serious question. Is there a difference between sucking and eating? I feel like this is falling into like a Louis C.K. bag of baguettes situation. Yeah. Of like suck a bag of dicks. Is it like a grocery bag where the dicks are just popping out of the top like baguettes? Are you sucking the side of the bag? Do you have to make them all finish? <laughs> How does it work? How does it work? I don't know. And that really is a question for the ages. And I have to imagine that John Cena did not get into his character enough to try to come to the conclusion on that. <laughs> question that's been on all of our minds since louis ck's shameless special are you questioning peacemaker's 
commitment to justice and his own character? Yes, I am, but we'll get there later. That's fair. We will get there. They set up camp, and Bloodsport wakes up in the night to find Polka Dot Man puking out his polka dots and King Shark trying to eat Ratcatcher, too. That's a lot of things to wake up to. That's all at once. Just like, hey, wow, good thing I woke up. He shoots King Shark, and then the team all confront him. And Ratcatcher's like, hey, you wouldn't eat me while I was trying to sleep. And then her little buddy, Sebastian, the rat, is like, no, he was definitely trying to eat you. (laughs) So she summons a bunch of rats, and then we get to find out that Bloodsport, not a fan of rats. Doesn't like rats, and I like they give him a little bullshit backstory for it, too, just to- They do, eventually. Develop character eventually. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. Ratcatcher decides that she's going to become friends with Nanawe to prevent him from eating her. You know what? Right move. I've seen Finding Nemo. I've seen Jaws. I don't know why Quint just didn't try to talk to the shark. It's true. Bruce, listen, Bruce. You wouldn't eat your friend, would you? You're all full. It's been uh, not 24 hours yet. You haven't digested that small child that you just ate. Everyone needs to go listen to our Jaws episode on Patreon when it comes out this month. (laughs) So now that we've established that we don't eat our friends, we go back to Belle Reve, where Steve A.G., he finds Rick Flagg's location because he's so fucking good at his job. He likes to let everyone know it, too. And uh, Waller's like, hey, team, you got to go retrieve our good buddy Rick Flagg. I like how they say side mission. It's like, that just becomes the mission. We don't even know what the mission is. Sort of. Right. Like, we know we're supposed to get to the Jotunheim thing, and then we'll go from there. But you call side mission real fast. <laughs> like, I don't need a side quest. Time out. We need to, we need to get these uh, XP points from the side mission. <laughs> So Task Force X is going to descend upon this campsite and violently murder every single person until they find Flag. You say violently. Oh, God. When I think of, like, violently, it's like screaming, running into battle. And it is not that at all. This is just the ultimate dick-swinging competition. It is. Between John Cena's Peacemaker and Idris Elba's Bloodsport, how they are silently going through this camp doing some of the coolest kills you're ever going to see, <laughs> just trying to one-up each other. It is amazing. Oh, th- I love there's this one part where John Cena walks by a guy just laying on a table and stabs him like nine times nonchalantly. It's beautiful. It's great. Puts him down. But I don't know how no one else heard any of this stuff going on at this camp. No idea. No clue. There are Not important. rats and giant sharks, and nobody has any idea what's happening. <laughs> Some of the worst guards you ever going to see. <laughs> and we actually get to see Polka Dot Man's power for the first time. And John Cena's like, oh, wow, he really does just throw polka dots, huh? He's got, like, polka dots in his arms, and they, like, fire out at, like, this gizmo that's around his wrist, and it just destroys everything in his Everything. Wake. It's beautiful. Probably should be utilized a little bit more. I love that he's like, I'm sorry that my power's so flamboyant. <laughs> and Ratcatcher's like, I think it's cool. I, you know what? Good for Ratcatcher. Yeah. She always kind of brings the team back together. She's the true leader, sort She's of. She's the heart though, of the team. Without a doubt, she is. But Waller even tells, like, Bloodsport, I'm going to make you a leader. It's like, right. I don't think you really did. I think Ratcatcher kind of yeah. is the one who did it yeah. in the end. But we'll get there again. We'll get there again. Polka Dot Man reveals that he imagines his enemies as his mother, so it makes him easier to kill. <laughs> very, 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 very DCEU dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, somehow. Less less dark because it's it's silly. I'm sorry that my murderous tendencies are so flamboyant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a brand new brand of dark. It's fun dark. Oh no, because 
fun dark would have been if they went the direction that this movie could have gone in by having like the Superman character as the bad guy. I know that was up in the air. Oh yeah. Uh, Superman was nearly the big bad of this. But I don't even know how like they could have done that. How they could have fought someone of that power. Yeah, I don't yeah, that's that's a tall order. Unless you know what James Gunn would have said, You guys ever hear of Pink Kryptonite? What does maybe that's how you what do does it. Pink Kryptonite do? You don't know about Pink Kryptonite. I don't know about Pink Kryptonite. Oh God, I can't believe I finally get to use this stupid bit of trivia knowledge that's been in my head for way too long. Pink Kryptonite turned Superman gay. Oh yes. <laughs> it's not even like an old power either. It's from like the early two thousands. I don't even remember who used Pink Kryptonite on him, but he instantly like lost interest and Lois started hitting on Jimmy Olsen. That's amazing. And it was supposed to be like, oh, it's a funny thing. It's a gay Superman. It's like, you don't want that. Because <laughs> if that Superman ends up in Belle Reve, you're just going to see a lot of destroyed starfish. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe that's like the way to do it, though. If you turn Superman bad and you go after Operation Starfish, you just give him the Pink Kryptonite. He's like... Oh, yeah. I'm all about this. I'm going to treat that thing like a table leg and a cocker spaniel to be great. (laughs) Different movie. Very different movie. Now you got me like real curious about the other types of kryptonite. But the pink one, I always remember the back of my head like, boy, they can never use that. It's horribly insensitive. It really is. (laughs) You know, the early 2000s. Oh, boy. It was just rampant with pink kryptonite (laughs) and people throwing polka dots at you. It's the way it was. (laughs) So they find Rick Flagg, and he's like, hey, yeah, I was found and taken in by by Sol Saria, played by Alice Brega, who's the leader of this resistance against the new government, and they're actually kind of on our side. And she's like, yeah, why didn't my my guards alert me to your presence? And they're like, uh... (laughs) Uh, They're all napping. Yeah, no. sleeps. Well, it's weird. We didn't see any guards at all. Yeah, weird how that worked out. Don't go out this door. (laughs) Go out the back door. Just carry on. You don't need this whole camp anymore. They've abandoned you for forever, for eternity. (laughs) Luckily, she agrees to help them even after they've killed all of her men. Which is a bold strategy. It's interesting, but I guess they are on the same side. And she needs a new army, so. I guess so. And, I mean, the only reason that we know that they're on the same side is because Rick Flagg says, you know we're on the same side. And she goes, well, good enough for me. (laughs) Thank you, Rick Flagg, played by Jon Favreau. (laughs) But she does tell him the secret to accessing Jotunheim is through Gaius Greaves, a.k.a. The Thinker, Peter fucking Capaldi. Oh, my God. He is so good in this. There's something I learned about Sandra Bullock and myself because of Peter Capaldi's performance in this movie there was just so much there that i need to unpack yeah what <laughs> all right i feel like it's not a secret that i dislike sandra bullock no it's very much not a secret and a lot of people are always like what why and i can finally say in where i can put it into words because of peter capaldi why How? why what in this movie he just melts into the role of the thinker he is the thinker i'm not looking at him like right. hey that's the doctor peter capaldi is a damn magician, and he just turns into what he's playing, whereas Sandra Bullock is always Sandra Bullock as blank. Okay, I'm so glad we got this look into you, Brian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's for free. I'm so glad that no one had to spend their hard-earned money to understand that. <laughs> well, yeah. I wouldn't make you sit through a Sandra Bullock movie to figure it out. It's funny, because with 
Peter Capaldi, it's like you look at the guy and you do not see like comedy chops or anything like that. He looks like he's always very serious. Yes. In England, a hard man, like one of those guys, a tough guy. I don't even see like Doctor Who Peter Capaldi whenever I look at him. I always see the thick of it, Peter Oh, Capaldi. absolutely. And for those who have never seen the thick of it, go find the thick oh, of it. Oh, man. It's pretty much where Armando Iannucci got the DNA for Veep, how he pretty much transferred over from 10 Downing Street over to Washington and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. It's an amazing comedy. That's my Capaldi. I believe that is the Capaldi that made it so surprising when they chose him for the Doctor. They're like, I think you're this right. guy. Are you are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked out great. It did. So we cut to Gaius Greaves dumping exposition on President Silvio Luna and Major General Mateo Suarez, the head honchos of Corto Maltese. And basically, there's a space starfish that spits out tiny starfish that attach people's face and turn them into slaves. Not great. Not what you want. Not at all. And they're like, hey, we can use this now that we run the government and apparently have for the last 19 years. We can use this for our benefit. Probably shouldn't do that. If you have a giant starfish and you've named it and its name is Starro the Conqueror, <laughs> don't. Just don't. Maybe just let it, let it stay where it is. <laughs> let it stay in its big tank. Harley Quinn is brought before President Luna because he has the hots for her. And they spend a whole day together. And then Luna proposes to Harley because he's like, yeah, uh, the people here, they're, they're very traditional. I'm a bachelor. They want a married leader. So I think, you know, originally I was like, no, nah, let's not do this. This is silly, but I'll, I'll humor them. But after a day with you, I, I need to propose to you. And she's like, all right, let's do the sexy times. They do it. They do the sexy do times. The sexy times. And right afterwards, Harley's like, hey, I got to ask you about this Jotunheim thing. And President Luna's like, hey, uh, you know, there's like Project Starfish going on over there. I just learned about it like an hour ago. So this is perfect timing. <laughs> this is great timing and, um, for post-coital exposition. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be because like, all right, you have the foreplay and that was them doing the whole day pretty much leading up to the sexy times. Birds. And then you get the proposal and then you get this weird like encore type exposition of like, <laughs> oh, now that we did the sexy time and our, our pants are back on. What's up with that? What's up with the, the big tower? <laughs> tell me about that, the starfish that tower over there. Tell me about there. the big tower. And he's like, shouldn't tell her about the tower. Shouldn't. Shouldn't do it. But he does. He's like, oh, what's over there is a project that we're working on. Nazis, something. I don't know. The last regime, they used it to take care of their enemies. So I'm probably going to do the same thing with it. You know, if anybody says anything bad about me, women, children, whatever, I'll, I'll throw them in that, that tower. <laughs> and Hardly's like, oh, no. He said children. Shouldn't have done that. It's like, I understand that we just had the sexy time, but I'm still Harley fucking Quinn. And she promised herself that she'd be on the lookout for red flags in her next boyfriend and do the right thing. Moy to him. That's right. She puts a bullet into him. Because killing kids is a red flag. It's a pretty big red flag. I kind of want to issue a challenge to our listeners of the drinking game variety. Okay. Watching this movie, just take a drink every time. They make it about the children. You'd be dead. You would absolutely be dead. And it's funny because this is, of course, the movie that James Gunn did when he was fired from Disney for making some silly tweets about the children. Years ago, yes. Yeah. So. That's actually amazing. I don't know what was top of his mind at this point, but. <laughs> no, clueless. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, President Luna is dead. And now Major General Mateo Suarez is going to become the new president. And Harley is taken prisoner. Again. And Suarez plans to unleash Project Starfish on his political enemies 
including the United States. Because I guess he's trying to take them over now, too. This little place that I've never heard of that doesn't exist, he's going to take over the United States with a starfish. Seems crazy, but also... I mean, it makes sense. If you unleash Starro the starfish in Manhattan, I guarantee someone's going to say, oh, shit, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. <laughs> we got to get rolling, rolling, rolling The biscuit is right here. You're going to see Starro put on a backwards red Yankees cap. Of course. And Jay-Z's not going to have any of that because he made the Yankee cat more famous than a Yankee, Yankee can. can. And people are like, that's just not fucking true, Jay-Z. <laughs> New York, concrete jungle that maybe a starfish needs to destroy. Possibly. Especially if the star decides to say, I'm feeling those lighters, y'all. <laughs> so Task Force X, their next objective is to capture Gaius Greaves. So they head to the city to a strip club that he frequents. and. On the way there, we get some backstory about Polka Dot Man and his mommy issues, and then that he literally sees everybody as his mom. Literally pictures his mom as every single person. They keep the same costumes, but it's his but mom. it's his mom, which is great when it's King Shark. It's so good. And we also get some backstory on Ratcatcher 2 with her drug-addicted father, played by Tyke fucking Waititi. Yep. And why Bloodsport hates rats. Kind of. Kind of. You know, because... It's got a mean old dad. She it in there. <laughs> I got a mean daddy, rats. Ah. The bus ride of backstory. I can't believe we have a rat catcher. My only weakness. Ah, uh, what were the odds? Ah. They get to the bar slash strip club, and they're like, hey, you know, Peter Capaldi's not here yet. Why don't we just hang out, drink, dance? It'd be great, because- And look at cameos. And so many. <laughs> Best friend <laughs> a, a of lot. the show. Lloyd? Lloyd! Fuck. Fucking Kaufman. I got real excited seeing him. He's like barely on screen for a second, but you're like, oh, oh, it's him. It's all you need. It's great. And uh, Palm Clementif is there. She's got much more than a second. That shot held for a long Very time. Very long time. Way too long. So because they don't know how long it's going to take for the thinker to show up, Peacemaker orders a round of drinks for the table. Just one. Just one. They're working. Well, I mean, that's what Bloodsport says. Oh, that's and right. even it's... then, Peacemaker's like, oh, you're going to be that guy? One drink? It's wild to see John Cena. He's got like just this polo shirt on and these shorts. Like he's definitely a dad on vacation. Yes. Or And it's amazing. John Cena. <laughs> or John Cena, that's right. He's bringing his arm veins to like Disneyland. I love here. these guys incognito because they all look ridiculous. They do look insane because they're all huge men. And I think that Polka Dot Man's costume is maybe my favorite thing in the world because he's just got like a normal looking dress shirt on with these insane striped <laughs> pants. It looks like he just beat the shit out of Beetlejuice and just took his pants. It does, doesn't it? So we have some team bonding. They're dancing, they're drinking, they're having a good time. I like how this feels a little bit borrowed from the extended cut of the original Suicide Squad. How they had that extended bar scene where they all get to kind of flaunt their character just a little yeah. bit. No one saw it because it's in the extended and not the theatrical, and it's probably the most important scene of that movie, but WB has no idea what they're doing half the time, <laughs> so they said, cut it. But I love how they kind of brought that back into this. Yeah. Right. Character development, keep it this time. <laughs> I think this might be the first time that Polka Dot Man ever has fun. It's possible. He is openly talking about hoping that they die the entire movie, and now he's just dancing on the dance floor surrounded by his mom. <laughs> surrounded by his mom. <laughs> it's amazing. 
it's a lot of fun. Fun time stops pretty abruptly, though, when the thinker actually arrives. And the team has to go and apprehend him. But at the same time, the Court of Maltese military has also somehow figured out we have to look for other Americans because of Harley. And, well, we have to look at this one specific spot where they happen to be. The Americans stand out like a sore thumb. I don't even know why they have to look as hard as they are. My favorite thing about it is like they're like, where are the Americans? And Idris Elba is the one who speaks up. <laughs> this is amazing because he didn't even bother with the accent nope. of this thing. He is full out English. Uh, so Ratcatcher and Polka Dot Man take the thinker while Bloodsport, Rick Flag, and Peacemaker surrender to the military. How heroic. Sure. While they're being transported, they find out that Harley is alive. And Rick's like, oh, that's neat. That's good. I remember her on the poster. I was hoping that she'd make it or else that poster right. doesn't make any exactly. sense. Exactly. It's like, okay, we get it. You got a big character. You think maybe she might die in the first 10 minutes of the movie? Real fat chance. Yeah, no? but don't get too attached, according to the poster. <laughs> Let's not forget. I love that it was like even Pete Davidson, it was a cameo. So you're like, okay, that team dies, I bet. <laughs> oh, he missed one episode of SNL to film? I bet you he's in the whole movie. Uh-huh. Surely he's going to go the distance. So Bloodsport, Rick Flag, and Peacemaker are captured on this truck, tied up, and they decide, hey, we got to do the one blow thing and take out these guards. It works because, you know. It needs to. Because it has to. It's a story. <laughs> and then at the same time, you know, because the guards had guns, now Peacemaker can blow a hole in the in the cab and kill the driver. And Oh, boy. We're going to have some fun with trucks. And big arms coming through a hole in the wall. Which is actually fantastic. I love that. Which is very, very good. I like the panic on John Cena's face of like, this is definitely not what I wanted <laughs> for this. Uh, I should have planned this better. Don't know why he didn't blow another hole in the wall. He only blew the one, and he's got his arm through it. Like, just do another one. Exactly. This seems like an easy problem to solve. Peacemaker, not a thinker. No, he's not. And the thinker is elsewhere, so. Also true. They eventually flip the truck over, which apparently unlocks the back door, so they could just walk out. And as they're doing that, the rest of the team rolls up to their location, because they had a tracker. Conveniently. They sure did. And I like how they like heroically get out of the back of this truck and you're like, no, we know they're not going to die. They're on the There's poster. There's a lot more to this movie. They're on the poster. So they decide that they have to go rescue Harley before they go to Jotunheim. Seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. Is this their side mission that they were given or is this like they've determined this is what they This is do? Rick Flagg's side mission. Okay. I'd listen to that. I would too. He's got a cat shirt on. Exactly. It's That's his costume. Bright yellow, just like in the books. It's amazing. They found a way to get him comic accurate. Somehow. <laughs> it's also worth noting that somewhere while they were driving through town, they lost communication with Waller and everybody back at Bell Reef. Yep. So they're off the grid. Somewhere. That's why they can go in the side mission without their heads getting all explodey. If you have to do it, you have to do it, movie. Fine. Right. Anything to keep moving it forward. President Suarez is going to be interrogating Harley, tasing her until she passes out. Except she doesn't. Oh, that crafty Harley Quinn. She's left with a guard, and then she does a thing where she breaks his neck with her thighs? Yeah. And then unlocks- That's not a bad way to go. If you have to go, there's worse ways. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's like you get up to the pearly gates, and you get to St. Peter, whoever the fuck is standing there now. I don't know. I don't know why I said now. It's not like he gets fired. He's (laughs) fake. Oh, but I like how you get there. You're like, how'd you go? It's like Margot Robbie got between those legs. Oh, wow, she sexed you to death. You know what? Yeah, let's go. You with know that. what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, lying at the pearly gates. That's strike one. 
Just a lie talking to a lie. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Echo chamber. Two lies make a what? <laughs> After she kills her guard with, with the with the legs, she unlocks her chains with her feet. And I imagine if you're one of those foot fetish guys, this is better than her her Wolf of Wall Street full frontal scene. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. She did it, by the way. No way. She did it. I read that she did this. Well, there you go, foot fetish guys. <laughs> Enjoy that. Actual footage. You can pause here. Of actual, that's... Do what you need to do and then come <laughs> back and listen to our stupid voices to just really get the blood going back to your normal head. Give it some time. Before you turn us back on. Like, I don't need you to be right back after. Maybe don't come back at all. It's really your life, but... <laughs> well, hey, hey, I don't know how many foot fetish guys we have listening. Don't don't send them all away. <laughs> there goes all of our listenership, you fucking creeps. <laughs> but now now we know. Actual Margot Robbie's feet. So Wish I could find where I read that, too, because I was like, no. Good for you guys. That's nuts. Also gross. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> After that maneuver, Harley Quinn's going to go kill all of the guards? Yeah, Margot Robbie's going to go ham. But with like a lot of it's a lot of ham. It's so much like ham. all the ham is probably the most ham that I've ever seen and I loved every bit of it. Dave, have you seen Birds of Prey yet? I have not. Does she do this also in Birds of Prey? Does she do a ham? She she definitely goes ham in that too. I think she goes more ham here. So so you're not wrong. She goes through this entire whatever it is, this palace, mansion, whatever it is, and just kills everybody. And doesn't kill everybody in the same way. No. Which makes it unbelievable. This is really just uh, like that show, like A Thousand Ways to Die or whatever that <laughs> used to be called. It'd be like that, but with just a single character going around fucking up On everybody. fast forward with just Margot Robbie. And she is <laughs> crushing Absolutely. It. There's flowery explosions and animated birds. She's killing them so good. She finds the javelin just leaning up against the wall. She goes, oh, cool. Oh, javelin's javelin. He tried to give me this. And she goes hand with that too. She absolutely does. Oh my God, it's so good. She like kebabs a couple guys too at one point where it goes through <laughs> like three separate people. I love it. It's amazing. It's uh, It's maybe the most fun scene of the movie. I think you're right. It's up there for sure. Without a doubt, this movie's got a lot of fun scenes. I mean, I don't think anybody could argue that this is just James if Gunn nothing else, having fun. all of the fun. Like when SpongeBob sang the fun song, right? He was exclusively talking about 2021's James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. <laughs> I'm convinced of that at this point. Why not? So Harley escapes. Is that where we are? Yeah, I got SpongeBob on the mind now. I'm ready. So Harley makes it outside just in time to find Rick Flag and company ready to storm the building to rescue her. <laughs> I love how Intracell is like very slowly climbing up the side of this building. It doesn't even get very far before Harley's like, ah, hey, what are you guys doing here? And Rick's like, we were coming to save you. We had a good plan, too. Oh, do you want me to go back inside? <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. So it's good. the best. It's so good. I really like the chemistry you have between Margot Robbie and Joel Kinnaman in these scenes. Because it, it's like, hey, the first movie does still matter. It absolutely does. I like that we've been there before. Yes. We get that there's a history. They've been through some shit. <laughs> They've done seen some shit. Mostly just Cara Delevingne moving in weird ways. Exactly. Still counts. Still counts. They assemble this whole new team with Harley and everybody and the thinker, and they go to a rooftop to plan their attack on Jodenheim. I can't decide if I love this scene or hate this scene. 
Okay. Like, this scene actually took me out of the movie. Really? Despite me laughing at some of the things in it. Because it's like you dropped a Harley bomb in there and said, we haven't heard her talk much and be around these other villains. Now she needs she to She needs funny. to interact with, with the other people. And I really hated it because she's going completely off the rails yeah. in a very unrealistic way. Even for this movie, it's unrealistic. Where she's saying like, oh, if you double pock your car, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. It's like, that's not even that Well, funny. I have an actual like, IMDb trivia effect for you. Okay. Harley mentions, if we find out you have a personal license plate, you die. Which is a reference to the Joker, who had a license plate reading, ha, 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 which is where her dislike of them comes from. I mean, I guess if you have to dig for something, there it is. I mean, if you're really struggling for facts to submit. I, I guess so. I, the only line that actually like really broke me in this is how Harley out of nowhere goes, and I'm walking back and forth. <laughs> I did like, like that Just one. in the background, I was like, all right, that is very much Harley Quinn cartoon in my mind. Yes. But I don't know. There's just so much happening on this rooftop, and you got the weird bus driver also, Milton, who's up there. We do have like, Milton. What are you doing here, Milton? What are you What are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it's like you just got all the characters together. Now they have to interact. That's how right. are we going to do We this? have to have this scene where they, they plan because we need more Harley jokes in the movie. Right. The plan is the thinker's going to drive the bus into the compound since he has security clearance and rat catcher is going to disperse a bunch of rats to take out the security cameras, or maybe just one of them, it seems like. <laughs> and then once they're inside, they're going to split into two teams, one to place charges to blow up the building and another to go find Project Starfish. That's the whole plan. What I really like about this is not so much Harley walking back and forth and saying her things, but at the very end, when Polka Dot Man goes, yeah. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> like, finally trying to assert himself in some way. It's great. But I like how he's like a background character despite being on the poster and being a yeah. lead. And he reminds you that he's just there. Like, yeah, I'm, and it's like, that's the perfect place for Polka Dot. Here, man, too. Is that you're just there. <laughs> you don't need to shine. You shine, like, in your brief moments exactly. where you intended to shine. That's the way to do it. Agreed. So they're going to do the plan. You know, Peter Capaldi drives the van, and they get in, and then... Peacemaker smashes his face up against the, the retinal scanner. And then while the rest of the team is setting explosives, Rick Flagg, Ratcatcher, and the Thinker go to the basement. And Peter Capaldi is going to tell them all about Project Starfish and how it's Starro the Conqueror, a powerful giant alien starfish capable of controlling minds. But also that is brought to Earth by the American government. And Oops! They've been secretly funding the experiments on, on Corda Maltese for decades. And I like how you see all the people being experimented on, like people that are cut in half, oh, yeah. but they still have like the starfish imprint on their face, or they proper have like the starfish on their face. It is wild yeah. to see. Ratcatcher wants to save them, and, and Thinker's like, there's nothing to save. They're all corpses underneath those stars. So, so that pretty much confirms that once the star gets you, you're done. You're done. Wild. Flag all of a sudden is tired of being dicked around by the American government. Just instantly, he's like, well, all right, I'm going to snap and vow to reveal the truth. And he pulls the hard drive containing all the Project Starfish information. And this is when Peacemaker's going to show up. This kind of starts my issues with Peacemaker because Peacemaker, they joke about him having a toilet bowl on his head. And he's like, no, it's a beacon of justice. Beacon. He's all about justice. It doesn't matter how he gets the justice and, and creates peace. He'll kill as many men, women, and children as he needs to in order to do that. That should have been Not your flag children. going off. But carry on, because I'm about to get really annoyed with Peacemaker. It's funny, because I just got really irritated with Flag. So, Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, where did this come from? Yeah, there's a lot of where did this come from. Peacemaker is under secret orders from Waller to cover up the U.S.'s involvement. So he knew the whole time. He knew the whole time, apparently. And he's probably the only one. Most likely, yes. He shows up, he pulls a gun on Flag, 
And then the building starts to collapse prematurely around everybody. Right. They said the charges went off too early. Fine. Building's coming down. Starro, now free from containment, grabs the thinker, tears him apart. I love how he grabs him with his little tiny tentacles and pulls him. And yes. you see Peter Capaldi get ripped down. Peter Capaldi's like stuck floating in front of Starro. And you see the big eye. You finally get the full scale of Star the Conqueror itself. Huge. It's amazing. Peter Capaldi's like, oh, I was wrong. I'm a changed man. And then that's the end of Peter Capaldi because he gets torn apart. It's wild. It's amazing. He gets torn apart the way you would tear apart somebody who's been experimenting on you for 30 years. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it seems righteous. It seems egregious. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> it's amazing. It should be Either noted, way. the blood in this movie is like something out of a James Gunn B movie. Like, we'll get there. Okay. We will absolutely get there. Speaking of Lloyd Kaufman, we'll get there. Rick Flag and Peacemaker start fighting over the hard drive, eventually leading to Peacemaker stabbing Rick Flag with a piece of porcelain or something through the chest. He kills Rick Flag. He sure does. And what's crazy about that also is James Gunn leaves no doubt about it because we see like this bathroom tile go into Rick Flag's chest, but then we also are inside and his chest and watch him pierce yeah. his heart. So it's like, you know what? I mean, you don't want to leave anything for the imagination. That's the way to do it. <laughs> if there's one person we know is dead, other than Capaldi. <laughs> right. <laughs> Capaldi's very dead. And everybody from the beginning. Well, Also very maybe. dead. Capaldi not on the poster. That's true. Rick Flagg on the poster. Rick Flagg on the poster. So. so we're finally getting the poster deaths. Ah. Here we go. Ramping up. <laughs> That's how you know it's getting real. Ratcatcher 2 sees all this happen, and she grabs the hard drive and runs off. Peacemaker chases her, catches her, cocks his gun. Sorry, kid. I really love when he says, sorry, kid, because it looks like he, like, he actually means yeah. it. Yeah. He doesn't want to do this. They've been part of the team. They know each other. He doesn't want to do it, but he has He's to thorough. Do it. He says that's the biggest thing about him, his biggest problem. He's thorough. She's like, why did you just ruin the hard drive? You don't have to kill me. He's like, kind of do. It's tough. He cocks the gun. And we cut to eight minutes earlier. We're back in the past. Welcome back. Welcome back to the past. The building is still erect. They're setting the charges to blow up the building. King Shark makes a fun little peacemaker doll out of an explosive. <laughs> he sure does. He's very proud of himself. He too. is. And he should be because he did it with Finn hands. It's impressive. The fact that he can mold anything into anything. It's amazing. Well, it's a he is a god. Oh, allegedly. So <laughs> you know what? If you're going to claim to be a god, I'd rather be like an alleged god than anything. Yeah. Than like having to prove I'm a real god. If people like just think I'm a god, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> like, even if there's doubts, it almost makes it better because then people are constantly <laughs> right. questioning if I'm a god. I actually, yeah. Like, is he though? Like, if people are like questioning if I'm a god, they would like watch me parallel park and watch it that it takes me like three tries to do. <laughs> be like, alleged god, alleged See, god. Like this might not be part of my powers. Go ahead, <laughs> throw your shade. Try me. Even gods have trouble parallel parking the first try. <laughs> That's why we had to create the machine to try to take down God that can parallel park on its exactly. own. Exactly. Or maybe God invented that machine. Who knows? Right? This alleged God. Deus ex parallel park. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have stupid Boston people talking about parking. Yeah, they're in the Super Bowl, and you're just like, this isn't what this I This isn't where I parked my car. This is uh, John Krasinski. Get off my screen. Oh. We're done with you. We're done. <laughs> You've already You've gymmed. had your moment in the sun. 
you jimmed. Look at the camera all weird like. It'll be great. That's how that's all I want from now on. You don't need dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Just fourth wall breaking always for you. <laughs> Do you think he like does that to his wife? I, I hope so. Or he just like looks off to the left or something if she says something ridiculous. <laughs> like as a bad Emily habit. Emily Blunt is always like, what are you looking at? <laughs> dad, stop doing that. <laughs> Can't believe you named me Pam. It's weird, dad. That would be. I don't know if his daughter's name Interesting Pam. choice. I don't know that. <laughs> It would be interesting. He's just listening to this right now when he looks over at the camera and raises his shoulders and eyebrows like, "Mm, maybe I did. Maybe I did. Now, Pam and Karen, please finish your dinner so we can go watch a (laughs) a movie. Karen, too. Wow. (laughs) It's a weird family, the Krasinski household. Speaking of staring off in directions that you weren't intended to. (laughs) The Krasinski, yes. King Shark finds an aquarium. Just a random aquarium in the middle of Jotunheim. Of course. And it's filled with all these funny-looking little fish that follow all of his movements. They remind me of, like, the Pac-Man ghost. They kind of do, yeah. They're like half um, Pac-Man ghost and half that Muppet from Sesame Street that just goes, yep, 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 yep. No, I wish they had dialogue. Yeah, that would be cool. But they're just these cute little fish that follow King Shark. He gets very happy about it. He's like, friends! He does. He finally, friends! And it's Sylvester Stallone saying friends, and I love it. I love it so much. It could have been John C. Riley though. Without a doubt, it could like, That's been. not listed anywhere as they approached him or anything, but headcanon, he was second on their list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open for a recast on this movie if, if it has to get there. <laughs> John C. Riley is King Shark. I feel like Stallone did a good job, but John C. Riley, come on. The part was might as well have been written for him. I feel like that was definitely the second call on, on James Gunn's list, though, because you know he was Norman Day. In Guardians of the Galaxy. And since we can only work with people we've already worked with. Right. Seems to be the rule. Definitely on that list. <laughs> the building's guards, because this building does have guards on the inside. Lucky for them. They find the rest of the team and they start shooting at him. And they kill Milton. There's a whole moment about Milton. I love the confusion that Harley Quinn has. I was like, who's Milton? <laughs> and I like how Pokemon's man's like, it's the other guy who is with <laughs> And Bloodsport's like, why was he still with us? Pokemon Man's like, he's helping. It's such a wonderful moment. I love the confusion and how she just cannot grasp who Milton was. Idris Elba can't grasp why he enjoyed. (laughs) And Pokemon Man's like, no, he was part of the team. I liked him. (laughs) I didn't want to say it out loud while he was with us, but I did. (laughs) I love Harley. It was like, oh, Milton, when she sees the body. Oh, it's so good. But then more guards show up. And Pokemon Man, he's going to polka dot them. Which is bad because there's also explosives over there. I like how Idris Elba yells out no as he goes to polka yeah. dot them. These guys just get destroyed. There's nothing left of them anymore. No, they do- they got dotted up. But the explosions, they're going to get gotten. Exactly. Too. So the building's going to start exploding early, which we already knew was going to happen because the previous scene, eight minutes in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> such a weird way to put that. <laughs> we already knew it happened because in the past eight minutes in the future, we saw it exactly. happen. Man. <laughs> just do it linear- linearly, James. <laughs> you could have. It's just called editing. Just got to juxtapose Yeah, well. but then we get to do less of those fun time cards. <laughs> That's a good point. The aquarium breaks open and all the cute weird fish reveal sharp teeth and they attack Nanoe. They're not they're friends. Not, they're mean. They're not friends. They are. They immediately latch onto him and start biting him real bad but 
doesn't mean anything because he's King Shark. He's a god. He doesn't even like feel it. He looks like he's in pain, but we already know he's like impervious to everything. It's mostly emotional pain because he thought they were friends. All right, that's pretty fair. The building begins to crumble, and King Shark falls out of the building, falls several stories to the ground, but not to his death because he's King Shark. He sure is. Even when all these soldiers like come around him and start just lighting him up open with fire, yeah. He just covers his head. Like, that's going to do no, something. No, don't to shoot protect. me. I got to do something, but <laughs> doesn't hurt him. Nothing hurts I him. I love that these other fish were, like, attached to him. The fall killed the other fish, or was it just the lack of water, probably? That makes more sense. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you're learning how fish yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, finally. Even though King Shark does raise a lot of questions, <laughs> but still. He starts eating a guard on the ground. While Harley, Bloodsport, and Polka Dot Man are running up the falling building in that cool thing where, you know, the the building is falling. We got to run to the top of it and jump off like gravity takes this t- long. It looks it great. It looks awesome. It's, a lo- it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That, you could say that for just about any season. Yeah, this movie. yeah. So much fun. Bloodsport lands on like a platform and then the platform starts to fall one floor at a time. <laughs> it's amazing it's so to watch. cool because he's like I'm I, he's alive. like surfing and his way just, down and he keeps getting surprised boom, and eventually he just becomes content just like all right we're just gonna keep dropping floor by all floor right. as i ride how this far is this gonna fine. go <laughs> and then when he finally lands face to face with peacemaker about to kill Ratcatcher, he's like oh some shit's about to go down so the two of them fire their guns at each other and the bullets collide in midair but blood sports bullets are smaller hey how about that and it pierces Peacemaker's bullet and hits him right in the neck, killing him? It's a big question, Mark. He's got a lot of blood coming out of his neck, and he, but he's on the poster, so you know. He is on the poster. And we also already know he has a series that might be a prequel or a sequel. We don't know. That's right. As of this moment. And this moment in time, John Cena's uh-huh. character, questionable. Eight minutes ago into the future. <laughs> right. Right. We don't know. About this time, Starro finally breaks free. All hell has officially broken loose. President Suarez is like, hey, military, fire on the giant starfish. And that does nothing. Now, the thing about Starro is you're thinking of just he's a giant starfish, like he's human size. No, 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 no. no. Because Steve Agee says, holy shit, it's a kaiju motherfucker. We got a kaiju situation on our hands. It is a Godzilla-like starfish that is broken loose and is just stomping on it. So it turns out with each of these subjects that... Starro controls with the mini starfish, it grows bigger. It like takes their soul so it's able to grow out of that, or it takes whatever it might feast on. I don't know. It gets bigger. <laughs> Once things latch, it gets bigger. <laughs> Pearly gates aren't real, but souls are. All right, Dave. <laughs> this is a very confusing movie. <laughs> it's making me question everything. But yeah, Starro's huge. And also, uh, we have communication with Bell Reeve again. Yeah, it kicks right back on because the, uh, they're using convenience mobile. Yeah, Jodenheim had the, the signal blockers, apparently. And since it <laughs> fell, now we can signal. How about that? And I like how like Waller snaps into gear now. Everyone's like, I finally got my 5G update. <laughs> A ton of little tiny Staros fly out of Big Staro and start just attaching themselves to the faces of the military. It's not it's good. It's not what you want. Luckily, it's not what Rat you want. Catcher has her little gas mask. And she puts it on, and she's like, everybody else, cover your, your faces. And only the people on the poster do it. Yep, because <laughs> the people on the poster have masks. Well, except Harley. Right, not important. 
<laughs> but I like how the starfish latch on to the faces of the military guys. They just fall to the ground. And I like Idris Elba's like, well, job done. Fine. <laughs> on to the next thing. He's like, all right. But then they just start sitting up. And that's when you know it's bad. Yeah. It's like, um, and even the president, Mr. Suarez here, who's only been the president for like a day or two. So he's like, oh, this is this is bad. And then he gets, he takes his hat off to make it easier, I guess, for a starfish to find him because he just looks up at the sky. He's like, he just kind of gave up. Me. He's just like, this might as well happen at this point. <laughs> but yeah, they start sitting up and that's that's generally not a good fun time when you have lots of zombie starfish men running around with guns. Right. Waller's like, guys, mission's over. You did it. You, you brought down Jotunheim. That was the whole thing. And Bloodsport was like, you're right. We're on our way back. But also, mm, the kids. The kids. The kids. I love how Idris Elba goes full Everybody Loves Raymond here <laughs> on Waller. <laughs> no, the kids. The, the kids, kids Deborah. Deborah. <laughs> the kids, Deborah. <laughs> Can't do it for the kids, Deborah. <laughs> like that's what pulls it back in all the time. Ah, oh, the kids. It's always the kids. The whole movie is about the kids. But I like like Waller's explaining like, no, this will be good for a third world country here to get their asses stomped by a giant starfish. Surely there's going to be no collateral damage where this thing's going to go and grow and <laughs> uh, attack us finally. Surely that's not going to happen. No, that that starfish is going to be satisfied with its small island nation and stay there forever. <laughs> right. It can't cross water. It's not like it's oh shit. Oh, it's a st- okay. Well, I'm just going to say this is going to be good for the economy and go from there. Maybe we could bring in like a giant alien sponge and they'll just hang out. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> Solid solution. <laughs> Off screen, all you hear is... <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> it's happening! I made the fun joke earlier. This isn't good. <laughs> SpongeBob, DC Cannon. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? That'd be absolutely amazing. You see, like, the atom run in, and it turns out it's actually just plankton. I was going to say he's looking for the secret formula. (laughs) (laughs) I want this very badly. I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, Family Guy does all this bullshit with crossovers. James Gunn's DC SpongeBob movie. Not even that. Just do openly James Gunn SpongeBob movie. Just leave it at that. And I understand the SpongeBob movie is a superhero movie. We'll talk about it one day. It's on the Ebert list. We'll get there. But. I want this now. All right. I don't know why, but I want this now. Can't always get what you want. But if, That's you, probably if you try real hard, <laughs> or you try sometimes. Well, you get what you need. You get what you need. Maybe, so, I, maybe it is just a want and not a need. That's the problem with it. Time will tell. Bloodsport is going to have a change of heart and say, hey, let's attack this kaiju. Waller's not going to have a change of heart. For the she kids. Says, Turn your ass around. I will fucking blow your head off. Yeah, and then... One by one, the rest of the team joins Bloodsport, and she gets even more mad. Right. The formula calls for them to have a turn to save the day, because this would be a weird spot to end the movie. It sure would. Actually, it'd be pretty excellent. It would be an excellent way to do it. How it's like, StarCraft, job done. I'm do- That's it. Credits. Roll them, baby. We did it. <laughs> High fives all around. Just the entire time, the Starro is in the background terrorizing the city. <laughs> right. That's the end of the movie. What do you what do you want with, from us? With like the end of Finding Nemo playing in the background, Bobby Darren's Beyond the Sea playing. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> beyond the sea. <laughs> be a, be, the most perfect James Gunn ending of all time, but no, he's gotta save the day. Like surely you have like a Superman or something that can come and take care of this, right? <laughs> 
one phone call. That's it. But no, she threatens to blow up their heads. She opens the box to blow up their heads. And then someone just hits her with a golf club. It's amazing. It is amazing. And she drops and she says, everyone back to work. So we're going to go save the day. It's insubordination for the, the sake of the children. That's right. The children, Deborah, the children. She does. She says, the children. So it is the running theme of this movie is protect the children. It sure is. Which is weird since none of the children are on the poster. I don't even think I saw any children in the movie. <laughs> we're just, That's we keep getting told <laughs> about the children, but we never see them. That'd be amazing if it turns out like we're so deep into the future. It's like a children of men situation where there just are no more kids <laughs> and no one told us. Oh, why do they keep trying to save the children? Don't they know they're all gone? Right. They're just like God in the pearly gates and they don't exist either. It's perfect. I think everybody gets a line about the children. Even rat catchers like they were experimenting on children. Like you see the weird behind the scenes moment, like the actors walking to set holding their Starbucks coffee, like, oh, big day for me. It's my talk about the children scene. (laughs) I finally get my moment. I finally get it. How do I reach these kids? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. So now it's time to fight a kaiju. Sure is. Bloodsport makes a really big gun by attaching all the different parts of his suit to a gun piece to make a big gun. And let's talk about his suit for a hot second. Let's do it. That thing is like a Swiss Army knife of a suit. It's so There cool. are so many weapons hidden about him. He has like a slingshot and his forearm that fires whatever it might be. There's guns everywhere, and they turn into bigger guns That's also. Great. They like morph almost. There are so many weapons on this suit. It's, it's like amazing. he's wearing Optimus Prime, but <laughs> made out of guns. <laughs> there was a gun transformer. Oh, was yeah, it? it was a toy that got pulled off the shelves real fast. What the hell was that thing's name? That doesn't surprise me. Something like Bot Gun. That oh, was a Megatron that just turned into a gun. Oh, okay. I mean, he's a bad guy. That checks out. <laughs> so, I mean, there you go. <laughs> oh, you're going to take the form of 18-wheeler? I will take the form of Giant Gun. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. <laughs> Ban <I'm>, it. <laughs> I... <laughs> Wait, we can't have this. <laughs> The bad guys will win way too easily if they're just guns. Boop, 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 boop. This is a breaking news with Jeffrey the Draft, Toys R Us. Sorry we're out of business. <laughs> we are going to ban the Megatron gun. I understand that he's a giant robot who also fires missiles and stomps things, but the robot in disguise. I don't want to disguise as a gun. <laughs> turn into a car, or you turn into a plane, or nothing. Or maybe like a dinosaur. No, but... no, no. We're not, we're not there yet. Don't you bring them into the mix. All right, give it a year. That's right. <laughs> Maybe two, because of special effects. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's Transformer turned into a gun and got banned. There you go. The more you know. Transformers, Dave. We've never talked about this. Good. There are Let's comic keep it that books. Way. Oh, we're going to keep... Stop it. There are. Stop it. It's just... I don't know where we sit on this one. I'll let you put the first one on the Ebert list, because that gives it like a 1 in 150 chance of getting picked. That's fair, I think. The first one is allowed. And from there, we'll see. After the first one, the second one gets picked. We're not exactly. going to without doing the first one. Glad we got that out of the way. Yeah, we're doing housekeeping of the worst kind. <laughs> do we need more Michael Bay? I feel like we might need more Michael Bay. I kind of always do need more Michael Bay. He has good material, if nothing else. We've talked about both of his Criterion movies on the Patreon. I don't so. know how Transformers didn't become Criterion. It blows my mind. Just from the history of the bullshit that he's gotten in the Criterion collection. There's still Transformers time. Transformers should have gotten it. 
There's still time. That's a good point. Don't tell the people at Criterion. <laughs> Wait, what? He made another one? So yeah, Bloodsport makes a big gun, and he shoots Starro. Doesn't hurt him, but nope. gets his attention. Okay, great. He puts his one eye on you. But then Bloodsport goes into leader mode. He's like, hey, King Shark, that big guy over there, he's num-noms. So King Shark runs at him, tries to eat him, but that doesn't really do much nope. either. And then he tells Harley to take the high ground. So she's going to jump and do she something. She like parkours up a small building. Sure does. And then he's like, hey, Polka Dot Man, Star over there is your mom. And Polka Dot Man sees a giant kaiju mom. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> punching a building. And he unloads on the leg and actually hurts Starro. He destroys the leg. And he's so happy. He's like, I'm a hero. I'm a motherfucker. And then he gets stomped. He sure does. Uh, maybe don't go for the leg next time. And aim for the meat of the star monster, because your weapon could destroy all. Exactly. Go, go for the giant eyeball in the middle. But now there's a bunch of Starro slaves, and they are all heading right for Bloodsport and Ratcatcher. I love how Bloodsport comes to the conclusion, I'm going to have to fight my way out of this, and he doesn't hesitate to start throwing down. I like that he starts grabbing for weapons, but he has clearly used all of them. So we're like, oh, he's out. Okay. Now he's going to yep. have to fight hand-to-hand. But these star slaves are coming for Ratcatcher. So he runs over, he jumps, he saves Ratcatcher from getting swiped by the big Starro, and then she's going to summon all of the city's rats. Just by holding her glowy stick. She holds her glowy stick, she says, this is not your city, this isn't even our city, it belongs to them. And Bloodsport's like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, he like, takes cover. Like, this is happening. All the rats are coming. All of the rats. Son of a bitch. So many rats. Meanwhile, Harley is on the rooftops. She's like, I finally figured out what to do with the javelin. She's running at Starro. She jumps. She javelins the giant eyeball. And now she is inside Starro's eye. Yep, just floating there in all the eye goo. And it is a scene that lasts several moments. Probably longer than she can hold her breath. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I wasn't but... even counting the breath. It just meant for the sake of the pace of the movie she was in there a long time she sure was i'll give you that and then the rats but all the rats the are rats are now entering the eyeball too and eating starro from the inside but i also love how you have this sort of victorious and romantic music yes. playing over the top of it and you have harley floating in this igu big smile with all the makeup watching these rats destroy this giant kaiju and it's the most appropriate harley quinn thing to ever happen she is finally engulfed in this starfish of chaos <laughs> and she is just in her yeah, element that's it's yeah. perfect and then we're gonna have a, a quick flashback to the rooftops of wherever the rat catchers are from and it is a very young rat catcher too sitting with her father taika waititi who also voiced starro we, we should, should say, say that. that she asks him why rats and he says rats are the lowest and most despised of all creatures but even they have purpose so do we all. And it's a very nice moment. It is a very nice moment. Honestly, it kind of reminded me of the end of Step Brothers. <laughs> Actually, Lumberjack! Like that type of thing where you have like that's supposed to be like deep down to heart moment of we finally yeah. did it. This is my moment as a character. I finally burst out. I'm finally my own person. Yada, yada. That's what it reminded me of because it was just so out of nowhere. I'm not going to say Step Brothers had action at the Catalina fucking wine mixer, but it definitely pulled you out of it in order to get that moment across, and that's exactly what yeah, this part yeah. did. And we, we cut back, and, and Starro is, is falling over. He's like, I just just floating in the sky looking at stars. Now I'm dying in this city. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks for everything. Thanks for the memories. Throughout all this commotion, 
the freedom fighters, the rebellion against the Corto Maltese government. Uh, they took over the government. They shot all the people, and now they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> hold the very first democratic election in 19 years. Right. There's nothing peaceful about it. They went and said, "Now we're in control." They just did exactly what the bad men yep. did, and then they shot everybody. It's like, oh, that's actually appropriate. <laughs> yeah. This is good. All right. <laughs> and of course, Bloodsport's daughter sees him on TV, and she's like, "That's my dad." And, okay. I actually love that moment. Because Idris Elba is not trying to be a hero to anybody. That's He's true. not trying to be a hero to his daughter, not trying to have that whole dead shot moment of like, I got to be with my daughter. Right. He wasn't trying to prove anything to her. And she sees like, that's my dad. Like, it shows that this kid has a chance. Yeah. That she sees such a bad man who told her to fuck off really loudly in an English accent. That's true. That would make me fuck off for forever if that happened. Yeah. But she's like, you know what? There's good in everybody. That's kind of what Ratcatcher's saying also. That's right. Sebastian saw the good in exactly. him. Exactly. Sebastian the Rat saw the good. That's why he loves him so much. Bloodsport is talking to Waller. He's going to use the drive as leverage. He's like, you got to release all of us in exchange for us keeping all this still a secret and uh, and to get us the fuck out of here. Yep. And she's like, I told you I'd make a leader out of you. Sure. You did this. <laughs> That's right. You're the best, Miss Waller. You did great. <laughs> so they get their helicopter. They they airlift out, and Bloodsport pets the rat because he's not afraid of them anymore. Apparently, sure. Character development it's an important thing. And you have Rat Catcher too snuggling up to King Shark. Yep. And Harley just kind of smiles because what else is she gonna do in this movie? <laughs> At this point, she's done it all. She sure has. And that's almost the whole movie. It's almost the whole movie. We get a mid credit scene. Weasel. Back on the shore. <laughs> Lying there dead on the beach. Coughs up some water and then stumbles off into the forest of Corto Maltese. <laughs> Weasel's still alive. Yep. Don't know what that's all about, so. but all right. Still alive. And then we also get a post credit scene where Peacemaker is revealed to still be alive under heavy sedation and being sewed up by the government because he's got another mission. He's got to save the fucking world. He's got his own show. Sure does. So he better be still alive. It looks like it's going to be an after Suicide Squad type thing. It appears so. And that is 2021's The Suicide Squad, directed by the fucking, 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 fucking James Gunn. James fucking, fucking Gunn, yes. It's really, really rare that you come across a movie that's this much fun. Agreed. It's a two-hour, 12-minute movie. <laughs> it flies by because always something happening. Exactly. How do you feel about this movie? I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. I like we've already said. I feel like there's a lot that gets looked at as, hey, I'm okay with this because it's fun. I'm really in the same boat as you there as well. There's a difference between enjoying a movie start to finish, which you should. If you spend the time on something, you want to enjoy it start yes. to finish. That's kind of what makes a good movie in your mind. That's fine. I'm really torn between loving this movie and liking this okay. movie. Okay. That's yeah. like a lot. I'm really high. It's it's high on my list. This is a fantastic comic book movie. It's one of the most fun movies we've ever talked oh, about. Oh, yeah. Just because of how batshit insane it is. But I have so many issues with it. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I need to like, I can't believe I have to like preface this with a disclaimer saying I, I either love this movie or I really, really like this movie. Because I feel like the second that I say I have issues with something and I point out anything bad, people are like, Oh, you fucking hate it. Uh, classic you hate Dave this movie. hates everything. No, I like it. You're allowed, to, even the best movies in the world have issues to them. That's true. My biggest issue with this movie is the directing. Oh. And the writing. My biggest issue is James Gunn. That's surprising. It is, and he's a very, very, very good director. He's an unbelievable visionary. He directs the people in this film beautifully. Yes. 
more importantly, he directs the audience beautifully. And that's where my issue lies, is I felt like I got a little bit played. Okay. And I believe that I pinpointed the spot where I found where I got played, and it's a rule of threes in storytelling. Sure. And it's entirely with Peacemaker. Peacemaker, in the auditorium scene at the beginning where they're getting introduced to the mission, has the line, out of absolutely nowhere, a starfish could also be like a butthole. Is this thing a butthole? That's true. It's a very funny line. John Cena says it out of his mouth. So it's funny. (laughs) We move on from that when he finds out it's not a butthole. He's taking his notes, not a butthole. Move on. Funny line over. We get to the beach, and he's talking about he would eat dicks, suck dicks. I don't remember what it was. Dick's mouth situation is going to (laughs) happen because of justice justice and because peace. He would do that. So right away, he's starting to kind of gray his lines of he has this funny bit of dialogue, but it's also mixed now with a character development of I'm all about justice and peace. and I'm going to get it however I want. When we get onto the bus, it switches very quickly over to I'm going to kill any man, woman or child I have to in order to achieve Peace. peace. Right. And then, of course, at the end, he has the full turn where it's all about Beacon of Justice, all about doing what's right for the mission. Yes, for peace. He has nothing at all like the butthole or dick slide anywhere after that, where I feel like that was to kind of take the audience down, to kind of okay pull the wool over their eyes of this is a very innocent, funny character. I can see that, but it could also be seen as him doing that for the, the benefit of his teammates so they don't suspect But it. he doesn't know anyone on the team. He has a guy, a shark, who's impressed that he has a hand. He has a very straight man in Idris Elba because Idris Elba is a brilliant straight man. In this oh, absolutely. Movie. And then he has Polka Dot Man who just wants to die in that sure. room. And Ratcatcher just wants to sleep because she's a millennial. He has nobody to play to in this room that makes any sense. The only person that he would have to play to would be Harley Quinn, and she's not in this room. So it makes almost no sense for him to have any of this dialogue. I don't know. I feel like he's just trying to remove suspicion from himself by playing like this aloof, dumb sex guy. Like, oh, see, I make sex jokes. That's my, that's, you don't have to worry about me. I'm the sex joke guy. That's a possibility. Maybe. I don't know. You make a good point. I think that's a bit of a stretch. It just it seems like his character is meant to fully throw the audience off the scent. And I felt manipulated. I don't know. Because, I mean, this is a guy named Peacemaker who is in Bell Reef Prison. So you know he's not a good guy to start with. Right. So you know we don't actually know his crime. We, we that's right. We don't know his crime, but we do know that anything he says about peace and justice, he's not doing it by by kind means. No, he's not. But he typically only talks about peace and justice and the mission. He does not talk about any of his backstory. Right. He doesn't really get off of anything that's not the mission in this entire thing, except for the drink, where he just wants to have a drink. Right. So I just took it as those initial lines about the dicks in the butthole are so removed yeah that it just it was weird to me you gotta have something for the trailer man <laughs> you absolutely do we learned too much in the trailer in this movie i think so too because we even saw the the harley quinn breakout scene yeah so it's like there's absolutely no stakes but i also feel like there's almost no stakes built into this movie at all because the whole thing is don't get too attached right as we saw in the posters we saw they're dying to save the world that's totally fine also this poster tells us who's going to be the movie. I keep going back to the poster. Yeah, I think. Because the way that they set this thing up is there's a lot of these characters. Don't get too attached. You don't know who's going to live or die. And there's a lot of hype built out to all these people coming in the movie, like Pete Davidson and Nathan Fillion. And they don't even go anywhere in this movie. Right. They don't get out of the opening scene. They don't. And that, to me, felt like a bit of a cop-out. 
But I understood it too because it is a good joke in itself. It is, and it, it and it also is part of the mission because it was just a decoy, a diversion, and it was like they said, a tone it was. setter to a, to an extent too. Oh, without a doubt, so. you pretty much just used all the expendable characters to show this is going to be a violent, funny blood. Fest. It would have been way better though if they had not shown any of the main cast before that. I think I completely the agree. marketing for this movie ate its own tail. Without a doubt, it did. That all being said, how I felt a bit manipulated and I felt <laughs> a bit like the one was pulled over my eyes and I don't like being directed as the audience. I, I do not like when things just change out of nowhere, in my eyes at yeah. least. You might disagree and that's okay. I'm not sure where I stand on that one. I get that. I've been debating telling anyone about that since I've watched this movie because I was like, that can't well, be Well, I right. had a similar feeling. It just doesn't feel right. I, okay. I had a similar <laughs> feeling when Rick Flagg all of a sudden was like, abort the mission right now because now I'm upset. That's so weird for his all character. All of a sudden, I'm mad about, about being played. I mean, you were fine with being in the team that was literally being sent as a distraction. Right. And that, He must have known he was the distraction team. I don't know. Maybe. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. I think I want to leave it as I really, really like this yes. movie. I think that it forced some things in order to make the plot work. Yeah. And that's okay because this thing is entertaining and fun through and through. I cannot wait to do the super stuff score on this one because I'm genuinely curious as to where it's going to land. I'm very curious. Going through all the reviews, proper critical and also on Letterboxd, this movie is a hell of a lot more divisive than I thought it was. I'm surprised about that. I was too, and I'm going to ask you right now about Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100, where do you think it lands? 80. It's 91, wow, so it is okay. really high. Yeah. But the audience scores 84, which oh, wow. was very surprising. That's interesting. It is, and a lot of people are saying, like, this is DC's best movie. It's really finally gotten to where Marvel wants to be, or Marvel's going to have a lot of trouble catching up to the fun factor of this movie. It's like, firstly, stop comparing the two. Stop it. Just because they have capes in each one doesn't mean you need to compare the two. <laughs> they're vastly different. They're insanely different. And nobody's striving to be the other one. Nobody's striving to be the other one. They're all trying to do different things. The MCU has their formula. They have the foundation has been built out. They're building on that foundation. They're going to be building on it for forever. DC has a foundation that's extremely rocky, <laughs> but it's there and they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's just taking them a hell of a lot longer, and it's extremely messy. But James Gunn crossed over to DC to do this movie because Disney fired him, obviously. He is the master of ensemble films yeah. just at this point. Yeah. He understands how to get all these characters together, how to get all their personalities to come out. He knows how to write a ton of characters in order to tell the story, giving everybody their proper due. He knows what he's doing when it comes to ensemble Absolutely flicks. We've seen agreed. him completely struggle with Super yeah. when he's doing a non-ensemble flick, and it does not work at all. At the same time, I feel like a lot of what he did in Super showed up in this movie again because he didn't have those- With the gore and all that stuff. Exactly. I completely agree. All those trauma influences. Exactly. Without Daddy Disney saying, no, no, no. Daddy Foggy at this point. Yeah. Foggy's going to be frozen right next to Disney one day. <laughs> I'm convinced It's starting to look that way. But let's get into the critical reception of this thing also. Yeah. Roger Ebert didn't see it. He doesn't have HBO Max. No. He didn't feel like going to the theater because of COVID needs, and he's very old. Makes sense. Also dead. <laughs> but other people who saw this movie, James Rardinelli of Real View said, With the Suicide Squad, Gunn shows that there are ways to keep things edgy while at the same time offering enough humor and action to maintain the crowd-pleasing elements. A little bit of heart. A little bit. Not a lot. There's a little bit for sure. It is a bit forced at the end, but it's not at the same time because it's the character that's meant to have the heart right. in Ratcatcher 2. 
She is a fucking treat. She's my favorite part of this movie, I think. Richard Lawson from Vanity Fair says, Maybe it's its own triumph to have at least stretched a rigid medium into new shapes for a little while. The Suicide Squad can't hold the pose for long, but while it does, it's an enjoyable flex. Huh. That's a fun metaphor. I like it quite a bit. <laughs> That's why I picked that one out especially. All these, by the way, are fresh. I didn't pick any rotten ones. There were rotten ones. Okay. But I wanted to make sure I picked all the fresh ones because I like this movie. God damn it. Leave me alone. Right. Brian Tellerico from RogerEbert.com said, Only the man who wrote Tromeo and Juliet could deliver something this gleefully grotesque, vicious, and unapologetic, and the DC Universe is all the better for it. Yeah, that all checks out. And Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian said, Not everything works here, but the sheer crazy confidence through chaos of the Suicide Squad and their bizarrely dysfunctional M.O. makes for a mighty spectacle. Agreed. I feel like they just echoed everything we said. Kind of why I picked them Smart. (laughs) This movie's brilliant in its own right. It has a lot of issues. It's really, really easy to overlook them. Especially if you somehow manage to avoid all of the marketing for the movie. Without a doubt, then you're going to be on cloud nine and be shocked and surprised and just enjoy the ride fully. I could not believe how many people on Letterboxd saw this thing already. It was insane. How many reviews? You know, HBO Max. It's... Changing the game. I'm liking this thing more than Amazon.com already, because Amazon.com, I didn't even bother to look this time, because why would it be there? Right. But some of these things have like 3,500 likes on comments. Wow. And this movie's brand new. That's wild. So from Letterboxd, the first one I have says, shout out to that right-wing dipshit who canceled James Gunn on Twitter so that we could get this (laughs) banger and Guardians 3. That really backfired for them, huh? (laughs) It sure did. Wow. Cancel culture. Sometimes it works. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Here, it did a little bit of we'll both. Get there. <laughs> oh, will we? Maybe. We'll see. All right. Next one I have. Some of these only have dates because they're just like from today. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, like tricky. Two to hours do. ago. <laughs> right. So the next one I have. I love how James Gunn spent half of the movie's budget on special effects to make John Cena visible. Ah. <laughs> Someone had a joke do that it. won't die. I love it. What's also amazing is like the letterbox photos that people have. Just about every single one is the same Harley Quinn photo. Of course. (laughs) It's ridiculous. These are the people who are going to review this movie immediately. Right. (laughs) Oh, good dates. From July 30th, 2021, turns out that the real Suicide Squad was the friends we made along the way. It's true. (laughs) It's like the most accurate thing that could have been read there. Wow, that joke comes up often, and yet this time it it's actually another, applies. There, there was a bunch of other ones there, too, of like, I'll get to this one here from July 28th, 2021. Finally, Ratatouille 2. <laughs> but there were so many people that wrote as a review, Remy walked so Sebastian could run. That's really funny, because D. Bradley Baker, who did the voice for Sebastian, also did... Remy's voice in the Did video game. Really? They couldn't yep. get Patton Oswald for the video games and they just got D. Bradley Baker instead? I guess that was All the right. move. <laughs> if you have to be a discount Patton Oswald, okay. I feel like there are worse gigs to have. I, I suppose there are. From August 1st, 2021, this happened to a couple of my friends a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they just left it at that. Oh my God. Oh, it's so dumb. I love it. It's brilliant. From July 31st, 2021, the best way to describe this film, a Tarantino third act all the way through the film. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Yep. Completely nailed it. <laughs> Less trunk shots. Exactly. Well, they got the right amount of feet for this movie, for That's sure. That's true. And the last one I have is from August 5th, 2021. Well, James Gunn finally did it. He made a $185 million trauma movie. <laughs> yes. And that is absolutely completely true. And going off of that, let's finally give this thing a super stuff score. Let's do it. Start off with story motivation. It's a Suicide Squad flick. Right. So the motivation's always going to be really, really fuzzy by design. Right. It's, it's, we're bo- led to believe it's 10 years off your sentence for most of them. The story in itself, though, is attack the Jotunheim, right. the big thing. It's just tear it down. Break the walls down. Jericho style, if you want to keep wrestling involved. And the side quests kind of make this movie, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> so, But they are part of it. I understand. It's the friends we made along the way, as the one Letterboxd <laughs> uh, reviewer said. I am going to go one for this one. I, I, I do like it. I feel like it's got good bones at its base. There's a few bumpy things here and there, but overall, the story is solid, and the motivation makes sense for these non-heroes. For the Suicide Squad. This is what Waller does. She keeps everyone exactly. in the dark. It works. And, you know, for the children. Heroes, which in this case are the villains. They're very heroic. And also very villainous. Very. It's the perfect mixture of what the Suicide Squad supposed to be. Yeah. be. I'm going to go a full-blown one. I, uh, I'm here for it. Yeah. Villains. I'm only going to go with Starro. I don't want to put the thinker in there. Oh, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't put the so. thinker in there. I think he's henchy. I would say Waller to an extent. I don't know. She's kind of just a tool for the most part in order to advance the story. She's kind of like a living MacGuffin. Yeah, okay. I could see that. Sort of. I'm going to say Starro because it, it is, is Operation it's Starfish Starro. that they're going after. Yes. Starro is almost a nothing character in the DC game for the most part. <laughs> it's a starfish that latches itself onto faces and it can control them. And you even have like a character called Kobe back in the day who got control of Starro and gained like all the power. Oh, really? And like wore Starro on their chest. Oh. He was pretty badass. He learned how to control Starro, which is awesome. That's neat. Uh, but James Gunn said that Starro used to freak him the fuck out when he was a kid, reading books about how starfish latched on the face. Yeah. And he said that after London put up the gigantic Starro oh, yeah. in the city center, and Peter Capaldi like posed in front of it, and it was awesome. Wish they didn't do that, because it kind of gave away the Starro. Yeah. But what are you going to do? It's his movie. He can do what he wants Promotion with it. Promotion has to, to happen, it. I guess. Starro is extremely cool, and it's extremely hard to take down because yes. of all the little Starros, mostly, and you understand the mind control. When the Starro gets you, you got him. Yeah. Dave, I have an actual IMDb goof This lame the game? Not a trivia fact, a goof. I haven't been on IMDb in a long time because I know it's against the rules for me to go on it because that's your bag baby. <laughs> yeah, IMDb has a section called goofs, and I usually tend to not look at it because it's things like, you could see the cameraman in this shot or sure, the boom. Sure. Like, you know, it's, but this is, this is labeled under the plot hole heading which I did not realize was a thing on this page, but I figured okay. I'd check it out because the movie just came out. How much could there possibly be? Right. Under plot holes, spoiler, the final battle. Despite supposedly always hitting center mass, Bloodsport never once hit center mass, the eye of Starro. Thousands of high-powered bullets fail to penetrate Starro's eye, but ordinary rats and a woman with a pointy stick do. Pretty big plot hole, isn't it? Kind of I'm is. not going to blame the villain it's for that. It's not the villain's fault, you're right. <laughs> I'm going to go with a one for Starro because I fucking love one it. for star it's so bizarre and it fits this story so perfectly and there's something to be said about bringing your childhood fear to the screen you're gonna do it right absolutely 
teamwork. They absolutely did it. If you're on the poster, you're part of the team. If you're not, you're dead in the first 10 minutes. I'm going to go with a 1.5. Really? For teamwork in this one. And it's mostly because they complete the mission. Yep. They got rid of the people who were trying to stop them from completing the mission. Sure. The peacemaker. Okay. Even though he was- He was part of the team. On his own mission. He was part of the team. I look at the team more as the Bloodsport, King Shark, mm-hmm. Polka Dot Man, sure. Harley Quinn. Rick Flag. He didn't live long enough to be part of that team. I mean, that he was on Starro the poster that and saved the day. He made it almost that far. Yeah, I'm talking about people who saved yeah, the day. I mean, that's that seems like like everyone got into Jotunheim doing their own thing. They formed two different teams, and that backfired slightly. Slightly, but they did end up saving the day and doing the right thing. That's true. Important. They did do that, and that's important. So for that's a like an eventual teamwork thing. I'll go with a one. All right, How about I'm that? happy with a one. I just. I couldn't let you go over one for the Suicide Squad team. I like it. It's very good. Even though now I feel like whenever I say I like it, I feel like I'm overcompensating for the issue that I pointed (laughs) out. Yeah. Well, look at me bringing up the (laughs) plot hole after we did story (laughs) and hero. Right. Wow. Uh, These eggshells are just cracking underneath our feet. So, yeah, we're going with full one for teamwork. I expected it to be a zero. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Nope, they definitely save the day in this They one. do save the day. And actually, Bloodsport does a good job of taking on that leadership role and directing them. And yeah, no, it's... it's he sure does. So we will <laughs> compromise with a one. Beautiful. <laughs> Female characters. I have to go with a one. It has to be easy, it's here. easy one. Harley Quinn, Ratcatcher 2. They're the two that they take are, down Starro. They, they are the two who take down Starro, while the men just kind of watch. And Ratcatcher 2 is the one who carries the heart throughout the Absolutely. Movie. And Harley Quinn is... Margot Robbie at her absolute finest. That character is just something special that she does with it. Chaos walking. It really is. You never know what she's going to do next. Yeah. And I love that. And we can't forget about the amazing performances by Viola Davis. She is just next level good. It's expected for her to be good. And also Lynn Ash as Mrs. Krill, the mother of Polka Dot Man. (laughs) The mother. She's phenomenal. She's a punchline, but she does such a great job in the the few scenes that she's in. I think one for female characters. I'm here for easily it. setting. It's a fictional it is. island country, and it just and works, they built a whole government system for it that tracks. It makes sense. I understand why they're doing what they're doing. I'm gonna go point seven five. I think that's fair. I just don't feel comfortable doing a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Style and tone. Let's start with a two. <laughs> I, I don't know any other way to put I, that. It's um. It's James Gunn. Off his it's leash. James Gunn cut open and put onto film and said, here I am. James Gunn said, this movie is everything that he's ever wanted to see in a movie. Wow. And James Gunn's mind does not work like normal human beings. He's a little fucked up. All you have to do to realize that is watch <laughs> The Suicide Squad. <laughs> right. This is something special when it comes to style. Yeah, and I think it's a two. I agree. There aren't a lot of movies like no. this. Hard stop. It's a two. It's definitely a two. Music. The Johnny Cash was great. I liked a lot of... I feel like we get way better music drops from the Guardians movies, but the music that's here is is good. It works. It's serviceable. The score by John Murphy. First thing, the first one he's done since Kick-Ass in 2010, by the way, is forgettable. I agree. So um, I kind of want to go like a .25 because it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think, that especially like in the opening scene with like, these are my friends who have died and, and songs like that that are just kind of sprinkled in there here and there. Like like Harley, when she's captured, is singing a song. And then when she breaks free, they actually play that song. There's some cool things right. they do. I would give it a 0. 0.5. 
I like this movie. I'll go with the <laughs> Brings us to one-liners. I have issues with the one-liners here because they feel like They feel like they were written in as one-liners. Even the things you said and about like John is... Cena's lines that are, are basically trailer fodder or, or audience it manipulation, is, it's like, depending on how you're It's like at so it. meta, though, how it feels like they were written to be one-liners. And... Exactly. And we saw that exactly. in the trailer. I kind of want to go like a point two five, and I know that's probably that's probably too low, low, but I think we should, you know. But that's like that's where my guns are right now because I feel manipulated. James guns, my James guns, my Jimmy guns are around a point two five. I feel manipulated. I don't like feeling manipulated. Okay, I think that's fair. And you know what? I think it probably deserves higher. But considering what we've done for a lot of these other ones, I'm gonna allow the lower, the lower (laughs) score. Just you know. I feel like this balances out the music in a weird way. Okay, yeah. In terms of our arbitrary yeah. scoring. Final category is impact on the genre, which is a big fat TBD. It's the biggest Especially TBD. Especially because of how the world of cinema exists right now and the money that this movie has made so far. It's so hard to track because of HBO Max and COVID and that kind of thing. It is hard to track because what HBO Max is doing differently than what, let's say, Disney Plus is doing is... HBO Max is releasing the movies on HBO Max, the platform itself, for free. Right. So you could just go in, you could watch the movie, it's there for a month. What Disney Plus is doing is Disney Plus, was it Premier Access Access, or whatever it is, it's $30, and that's a trackable box office dollar amount. You can ask Scarlett Johansson, she's suing over it right (laughs) now. But it's very tricky to actually put a number to it, because this movie did cost $185 million to make, which is really really expensive but it makes sense because so much of this movie is practical because that's the way James Gunn wanted to do it. more than they all the other a... movies combined. Well, he said that technology is where it needs to be where this movie is shot on very small red cameras where pretty much with the company Red you could tell them what you're looking to do and they will just put a camera together yeah. for you at this point to make it appropriate for what you're trying to shoot. So a lot of the rigs that they came up with, it's not like giant cameras of film anymore swooping down. It's just all in the card. It's right. all, I mean, Red is a phenomenal camera. It's oh, there's nothing better out there on the market. It's just they're very small, and you can do a lot. They're not big and heavy, so you can get right in there with all these characters now without it being too obstructive. This movie costs $185 million to make. Opening weekend did $26.5 million, which by all accounts says it's a massive massive historic flop right but that's not the point of this movie exactly the point of this movie is to get people to subscribe to hbo max and that number is probably incalculable that's true and when you look at how many people have already reviewed it on on things like letterbox it's being seen it's doing its job it's absolutely being seen worldwide it's done 72 million in its first opening weekend let's call it it's so hard to tell the monetary impact on this movie in terms of dc it's Probably even more impossible to tell because you can never, ever figure out what Warner Brothers wants to do. That's very I don't think they know yet, so. They have no clue. And this movie very lightly may tie into past things. We don't right. know. We do know that it's getting at least one spinoff in the form of an HBO Max series. Right, which James Gunn has said is going to be the most action-packed TV series of well, all time. That's exciting. We've also heard that James Gunn deal with Warner Brothers has been extended to maybe four movies or TV series. There's mixed reviews on what the actual deal contains, but he's definitely doing more work with Warner Brothers. But he's also doing Guardians 3, and he's also doing the Christmas special Guardians. Exactly. So I think that the impact on this thing is just way too soon to tell. 
And that's usually where we go with a point five to be safe. That's true. I think that's that's what we have to do. That's still going to give the Suicide Squad a total score of nine. It really is one of the best comic book movies we've ever seen. It's, There's yeah. no denying it. It's unbelievable. It's thrilling. It is start to end just bonkers and fun. And yeah, nine's appropriate. Nine is absolutely appropriate. It's a phenomenal movie. It's so much fun. It's so entertaining. It's got its issues. What doesn't? Exactly. And now I get to ask you the loaded question, Brian. <laughs> I've been dreading it. I, I realized that. This like affects my mood for the next week until we record again. Yeah. What are we talking about next week? It's a goddamn Roger Ebert it pick. It is a goddamn Roger Ebert pick. So what has the Jawless Wonder picked for us this week? We are going to be talking about 2011's The Green Hornet. A Seth Rogen joint. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I've been curious about this movie for a long time. I've never seen it. Oh, I have seen it. This is a rare oh. one that, that I'm going into having seen it and you haven't. And give me quick thoughts, initial. I remember thinking this is a Seth Rogen superhero movie. I'm weirdly excited yeah. by that. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> All right. Who, who directed this thing? It is directed by Michael Gondry. Michelle Gondry? Holy shit, really? Yeah. He's like a real director, though. Well, Like he did Eternal Sunshine. Like he's a real art director. Like he knows what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, and then he was like, With the camera? Seth Rogen, be a superhero. Well, yeah, it makes perfect logical sense when you say it out loud with your mouth i'm excited for next week's episode if you're excited and you've seen it then i'm very excited and i have not seen this thing next week 2011's the green hornet until then thank you for listening and subscribing those of you who have i ask you every week wherever you are right now just <laughs> click the subscribe button you know it's great you get to hear all of our stuff super early in the morning and i know we've said subscribe in the past uh especially like in December. On our Patreon episode was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factor, and everybody who was subscribed got that episode for free on Christmas Day as a nice little gift. I'm not saying we're not going to ever do that again with Jaws in the near future. <sighs> very specific thing you said might not happen. or But it's possible you know, like, that it might happen. If you are subscribed to us, maybe one morning at like 5 a.m., you, you see something pop up. You'd be like, oh, that's not supposed to be there. Wait, that's a Patreon episode, and I'm not one of their favorites because I'm not a patron. I shouldn't be seeing this. Surely this is a mistake. Maybe it's not a mistake. Mm. Maybe we're rewarding you for subscribing, but you should still go become a favorite on Patreon. Do all of the things. Do all the things. So maybe click that subscribe button, and maybe, just maybe, the broken robot shark fairy is going to deliver a, a special episode to you. It's a li limited engagement, possibly. Very limited. <laughs> to the point that it's going behind the paywall, like, at noon that day, where only the true <laughs> subscribers are going to get it. That limit. Yeah, it's, it's only going to be up for a very short amount of time. Click that subscribe button. And while you're doing that, rate, review. It takes like a minute. It helps us out a ton. If you've come with us this far into 38 episodes, it goes such a long way for us. And we really appreciate you sticking around for this long with us. There's a lot more to come. But Help me help you, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> help me help Speaking you. Speaking of Jerry Maguire, go join our Patreon. And no, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I've debated it a few times, too, because I actually like that movie. Well, it's a lot of fun. No, I, I was just going to say, show me the money. Join our Patreon. It's better you didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, you actually should show us the money because in October and into November, we are donating 100% of all the proceeds to the Extra Life Foundation. So 
if you subscribe to Patreon, your money is going to get you exclusive content from us. But more importantly, it's going to a good cause. And when you know James Gunn's on board because it's for the kids. It's for the kids. Like and follow us on our social media, too, at Kate Podcasters on all of the things. If you have anything you want to say to us, you can send it to katepodcasters.gmail.com or send us a little message, a little DM action on any of those social media platforms. Or if you follow us on Facebook, you already know. On the day of recording, we put up that post asking for your comments and questions. We got a few. All right. They want us to make lists. Of course they do. It makes sense, though. It's an ensemble flick. It's it's very list-friendly That's true. when you think about yeah. it. Jeff Miners. He wants us to create our own Suicide Squad. That's one of two. Oh, boy. We have to do it. But he wants it to be strictly using Disney Pixar villains. Oh, okay. It's extremely fun. So, run it back and forth this. We'll get five. Yeah, let's let's go. You start. I want Zerg. Zerg's a fantastic start. I'm going to go with Scar. Oh, I love that. Not afraid to kill family. He'll kill anyone. That's true. It's an important asset to have in your Suicide Squad. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I think I want to go with Jafar. That's a pretty fair one. I feel like you need somebody there who's more manipulative and and a thinker, but also has those phenomenal cosmic powers. I feel like we need a bit of a leader here on the Suicide Squad. And I'm going to go with Lotso, Toy Story 3. Excellent leader. And he's going to bring them all together, but it's going to be in like a mean way. And he's going to smell great doing it. (laughs) Without a doubt. (laughs) You got the fifth pick. Go ahead. We're going to close out this squad with Maleficent. Just making apples. The Angelina Jolie version. We need (laughs) some star power in there. We do, or else no one's going to see this thing. It's going to look ridiculous like Roger Rabbit. (laughs) Half of it's animated, half of it's like 3D animation. Now you have an Angelina Jolie. Talking like to I no kind of wanted Gaston for for comedic timing and and relief, <laughs> but then we have all dudes, and that's just not right. Jeff, thank you for letting us put that squad together. And the second squad that we're getting asked to yeah. make here, we're not getting asked, we're getting told. Christian Bard said, "I'm going to need you to make a terrible director suicide squad and assign them terrible movie." Oh, powers. I love it. To which I said, "You bet your ass we're going to do that because that's fantastic. That's amazing." This is one of the rare times me and Brian actually did homework. (laughs) (laughs) And we put together our own separate squads with our own separate powers. I think there's going to be some overlap. I feel like there's definitely going to be some overlap. I'll be disappointed if there's not. Oh, without a doubt. I asked you to put together five, and then I did not do five. How many did you do? I did seven. I also did seven. (laughs) Okay. Let's pick five and just see where it goes. All right. Because I had too much fun with this. I'm going to start because I want to start. Yeah, that's fair. My first choice, it's Tim's story. And I named him Opposite Day. I named him Story Man. Is <laughs> the power of irony. He's pretty much the embodiment of just Opposite Day, and also he cries pretty. I was going to say, his superpower for me was crying pretty. <laughs> there you go. So, it's so fresh. Same page. So fresh in the mind. <laughs> Who's your next one? My next one uh, is, a, is a villain known only as Slow Mo. It's Zack Snyder. It's Zack Snyder. And <laughs> his right. superpower is he can recreate anything he's seen, just like the Taskmaster, but only in slow motion. So useless, and I love it <laughs> so much. My next one is Tommy Wiseau. Oh. His name is Sex Magnet. Of course And his is. power is he can have sex with any part of any other human being's body, because in the room he does not ever touch a <laughs> vagina. He's in belly buttons and on chests and everything. Absolutely. But ultimately, they get torn apart. Wherever his dick touches, they get torn apart. Oh, that okay. Because okay. he's got to kill somehow. Sure. But also, you're tearing me apart. You're tearing me apart. It only makes sense. <laughs> My next pick for this director squad, uh, 
is going to be a hero, anti-hero, known as the Twisted Knight. Okay. That's M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> okay. I should have seen that one coming. I didn't put it together. Uh, I actually can't tell you what his superpower is until the very end of the movie, but it's very surprising. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. My next one. I named him Throwback. Oh. And it's Mark Steven Johnson. Oh, nice. I called him Douche Canoe. <laughs> <laughs> I called him Throwback because I forgot he existed. Yeah, that's fair. His power is that he has to constantly remind people that he exists. I like that. Or else they're just going to forget him. But when he does remind them of who he is, scares him right off. That, that checks out. I gave him a superpower also. Um, when he dons his super beanie of power, he gains the combined <laughs> abilities of the entire cast of the Jersey Shore. Beautiful. It's so perfect. I did say that, that we would get there. Um, the next villain, his name is Can't Soul. Can't Soul. Can't Soul. Uh, it's John Hughes, and his superpower is <laughs> okay. somehow being immune to being canceled. It is a miracle that man is not canceled. If you listen to our Weird Science episode, you'll understand why. <laughs> My next choice is Stephen Brill. Oh. He's directed movies such as The Do-Over, Mr. Deeds, Walk of Shame, Without a Paddle, Little Nicky, sure. Sandy Wexler, and Drillbit Taylor. So I named him Suicide. <laughs> <laughs> because being around him actually makes you want to kill yourself. <laughs> as we learn with Owen Wilson, how he discovered that power. Phenomenal. My next villain is known by his proper human name, we assume. We don't really know. It's Pitoff. Oh, God, he's a horrible, horrible man. The superpower of Pitoff is he's an ancient cat god that can create a powerful vacuum with his mouth. He sucks. (laughs) Hard. (laughs) He absolutely does. (laughs) My last one I have is a twofer. I've named this duo Parody. Parody. And it is Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer of... Meet the Spartans, date movie, disaster movie, epic movie, best night ever, vampires suck fame, and they are just going to parody you as they stare at you relentlessly. (laughs) And the problem about that is, is that just one person behind them is ever going to go like, (laughs) and that's going to be enough to fuel them for forever. Yeah. Thinking that they're funny. We did it. Seven people saw that movie. We were successful. Uh Uh-huh. I'm a little disappointed in you, Dave, because I only have one more. Okay. Uh, the name of this villain is Supertext. In parentheses, the opposite of subtext. <laughs> and it's John Favreau. Because it's Jonathan K. Favreau. And his, <laughs> yeah, that makes his sense. heavy hands can carry you through any event and will never make you think for it's yourself. It's absolutely true. Christian, that was one of my favorite questions I've ever been asked. That was show. so much fun. Thank you so much for asking that. Everyone else, thank you for all your questions. Thank you for your comments. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. Next week. Seth Rogen is going to be a superhero (laughs) in the Green Hornet. Same pod time. Same pod butthole.